0: Welcome to the CVA Grain Exchange Podcast. This is your host, Luke Beckman, Grain Sales Manager for Central Valley Ag. During this podcast, we dissect the latest USDA updates and discuss other key market features. Every month, you will hear from different members of the CVA Grain team on what trends we are seeing in the marketplace and solutions to current marketing challenges. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 45 of the CBA Green Exchange. This is Luke Beckman. Joined today by Chad Rosebrook, merchandiser at Legacy Farmers Cooperative in Ohio. Chad, welcome back.
1: That's right. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, did I get the uh, did I get the cooperative title
1: right? I should have been looking at that on paper. Did I get the name right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, I guess technically I'm I'm the vice president of grain for Legacy Farmers Cooperative and Apex Grain Marketing LLC. So it's a mouthful, but yeah, basically boils down to being the merchandiser.
0: Perfect. So you guys are positioned and we had you on a year ago, Chad, but maybe just refresh us geographically, kind of the area that you're responsible for in the Eastern Corn Belt.
1: Yeah. So where I'm located, my office is in Findlay, Ohio, which is in the northwest corner of the state, uh, right on I-75, about an hour's drive straight south of Toledo. Uh, so if your listeners are familiar with where uh, Toledo, Ohio sits on Lake Erie there uh, on the Michigan border, we're about an hour south of that. And then as you drive straight west, uh, we're about um, an hour and a half drive to the Indiana border. So, So right in the middle of the northwest corner of Ohio. Perfect. Well, we're glad to have you back, Chad, to uh, shed a little bit
0: of light on uh, what you're seeing. And maybe let's start with that. Give us a a crop update for how conditions are in your part of the world. And give us a little bit
1: of sense of how that compares to a year ago. For sure. Yeah. So things look really good here uh, right now. Um, We actually got in the field pretty early this year. Uh, Most of our farmers were done planting um, on the calendar before by the time they even started planting last year. So it was an early planted crop, uh, which you know means usually higher expectations for it, right? When you get done planting two weeks before you even started last year, it's uh, uh, you have high hopes. Um, but then we turned really dry and a lot of the seeds sat in dry ground for a little while. Uh, we didn't get up and get going really fast right away. But uh, once we did get some rains in June, uh, the crop started to take off at that point and, and kind of catch up. Um, so it looks really good today. Uh, one thing to note too, is this this summer has been an odd one for us. I know most of the country has been dealing with a lot of heat. Uh, we just haven't had a lot of heat this summer. We've only had a handful of days where the temps have reached 90 degrees even. Uh, and that's unusual for us. Normally we're, we're warmer than what we've been. Also too, this summer, we've been dealing with a little bit of extra cloud cover thanks to our neighbors, too the north with uh, some wildfire smoke coming from Canada Mm -hmm. and uh, you can't help but think that that has you know an an effect on on our crop and I think it also you know as we look at it today our crop today looks really good Uh, I was just telling you earlier we could use another shot of rain or two just to finish things out but what's there looks really good but I'll tell you just based on timing of pollination on this corn and, and when we're applying fungicide and things it seems like it's maybe running two weeks behind from what we thought it should be at as far as development goes, um, which will put harvest pace about pretty similar to last year. So starting out in the spring, we were expecting harvest to be maybe two weeks to 10 days before when it was last year. Uh, But now it's probably going to be pretty similar timing to last year, uh, given the cooler summer and and all the extra cloud cover we've had uh, from some of that wildfire smoke.
0: Okay. That's really good color, Chad. Uh, Any implications that that harvest or maybe a cooler summer has uh for your crop is that does that impact the condition of the grain any broad-based market
1: implications that you can think of that that would have yeah, so so the first thing that comes to mind is is maybe just the delayed timing of harvest, and and that's nothing that's too unusual, right? I mean, we've we, we've had later harvests before, uh, to where the crop maybe doesn't mature or dry down quite as fast in the field like we'd want it to. Um, so we'll we'll have some challenges maybe this fall getting it out of the field if we turn wet all of a sudden um to date currently our area is running about two or three inches of rainfall accumulation behind normal for the season and so some guys are kind of worried about well are we going to catch this up in the fall and have a wetter fall And cause even more harvest delays, Uh, but so we'll see about that. But uh, but overall, you know, really just harvest timing is the biggest thing, and maybe just the crop maturing fully and drying down fully is going to be the thing we'll have to look out for. Um, But hopefully, given the cooler temps and, and some of the cloud cover and such, we might not have. Quite the disease stress on this crop that we've had in the past. Uh, we've had to deal with some some higher vom uh, in corn uh, last year and two years ago. Uh, so we're hoping maybe we can buck that trend this year and have a, a good, clean, quality crop and not have to worry about messing around with vomitoxin in corn. Okay. Uh,
0: we don't generally talk a lot about the wheat markets on this show, but you guys do have uh, wheat in Ohio, some uh, soft wheat, right? That's um, right. Yep. Yep. Talk a little bit about that. Any any broad market implications
1: there with uh, how the wheat came off? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we do have quite a bit of soft red wheat grown in the state of Ohio. And most of that is in that northwest corner of the state where I'm at. So wheat harvest uh, wrapped up about middle of July closer to July 20th. So that was a little later uh, than usual too. Again, I think some of the cooler temps and that cloud cover kept that wheat from maturing as fast as we thought it should have. Um, but the wheat harvest itself was excellent. Uh, we We had a record crop actually up here. Uh, yields were consistently good everywhere. Um, it was it was strange. During the, the month of May, we didn't have a whole lot of rain, and that's when we get a lot of that grain fill happening. And so you talked to farmers in, in that month of May, and they were saying, well, you know, it's going to be a good wheat crop, but it won't be a, a record for me, you know. The, so they were thinking maybe, you know, 80 bushel the acre, 75, 80 bushel the acre, and that's kind of just a good crop for us up here. Um, but after harvest, you talk to farmers, and every single one of them, was shocked their, their wheat made a hundred bushel the acre, you know? So of course elevators around here, weren't planning on a hundred bushel per acre wheat <laughs> everywhere, but that's what we had. And so we were all trying to make extra sales to get this wheat off to mills and such before fall harvest starts and all the mills filled up and slowly, you know, lowered their bid and eventually went to no bid. And today in Northwest Ohio, if you wanted to sell wheat to a mill, it'd be a real challenge to to get that done and execute on that before fall. So we're going to be carrying <clears throat> a little more wheat in, in space, um, more than what we had thought we were going to going into fall. Um, and and that's just not legacy. That's that's across the board, and across the whole state, and and some of Michigan and Indiana as well. So that kind of sets us up for a, a fall where, you know, we've got a good corn crop coming at us. The the bean crop has a lot of potential if we just get another, you know, good rain or two on it. And then we're also carrying more soft red wheat in in the fall than normal. Uh, It could lead to some logistical challenges for us, uh, you know, moving ahead, but we'll see.
0: Good to know. Good to know. Well, maybe some more uh, emergency piles or uh, situations like that where we've got grain on the ground. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about that in recent weeks, uh, just as we look at carry Carry spreads spreads. and board spreads and uh, really looks like we're going to have, you know, some wider carries this year and can benefit the, the, those that have space and the producer that's a hedger. So we've, we've been talking about that opportunity with uh, like the DSMARCH getting out to close to 14 cents here and and really maybe some opportunities for producers to be locking that in if that's how they're choosing to market that crop. Good stuff, Chad. Let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the WASDI report. So we had the August uh, S&D report out today. This is the first time USDA utilizes uh, satellite-based imagery to make a yield estimate in addition to farmer surveys. Uh, the September WASD will be the first time that we see field-based data incorporated into those yield estimates. So today, satellite imagery and farmer surveys is how they conducted that. So uh, we'll just do a quick rundown of the numbers, Chad, and then I'll get your takeaways. Uh, starting with old crop, they bumped imports by 10 million bushels Uh, We did see industrial usage down, food seed and industrial, excuse me, down 20 million bushels. That was not in the ethanol category, so it would have been the other food seed uh, categories for corn. Uh, Exports cut 25 million bushels. Not a huge shocker there with how that program has been going. Uh, So overall usage down 45, supplies up 10, so carryout goes up by 55 million bushels. Uh, On the new crop side, the yield did get cut 24 Bushels per acre, 175.1. Really not out of line with what the market was anticipating coming in. Uh, That trimmed the supply of the crop or the size of the crop down to 15.1 billion. Uh, So overall, fewer supplies than where we were a month ago. Uh, But we did see some cuts to demand, which we probably would have expected. Feed and residual down 25. Food seed and industrial down 20. Again, that was not ethanol. It was the other categories. Uh, Exports down 50 million. So usage down 95. Crop production down 209. So carryout goes down 60 million bushels to just over 2.2 billion. So still plenty of corn around as we look at new crop. Uh, That gives us a stocks to use ratio of 15.3%. Looking at some global revisions, uh, that Brazilian crop got bigger again today. Up 2 million tons to 135. Uh, Nothing else too notable on the old crop side of things. Uh, new crop, we did see Chinese uh, corn production trimmed 3 million tons, maybe a reflection of the flooding that's going on over there. And then we did see uh, a cut to European production estimates down 3.7 million tons, and Ukraine was up 2.5 on the estimates. So some northern hemisphere adjustments for new crops. So uh, those are kind of the numbers today, Chad, that's a mouthful,
1: but what uh, stood out to you? Yeah, so as you know, just with the time of the year we're in right now being late summer, uh, as we look ahead to fall, I, I like to look at the difference in those um, ending stocks numbers from the old crop as it translates into the beginning stocks numbers for, for new crop and new crop, the beginning stocks increasing by 55 million bushels as we go into this fall. Uh, I know that the exports are lower, uh, you know, industrial use is lower. Uh, the 10 million in imports is interesting to me you know increasing the imports there is interesting to me but you got to wonder with with the cash versus cash inverses we have out here in the country today who is carrying this old crop into into new um i know it's not the commercial elevator um i i have about you know in all of our space we, it, we have the least amount of corn bushels in space for this time of year than we probably ever have had um and i'm not alone in that and everybody, everybody i talk to is the same way um, we've got ethanol plants calling us looking for corn. We've got the southeast uh, feed market where all of our rail goes. Uh, you know, calling looking for for corn, just kind of here or there. But you got to wonder when you see a dollar to a dollar fifty cash inverse from from old crop to new crop, uh, who's who's still carrying those bushels and and what's the plan? So. Uh, I know the farmer has still a few bushels out there, here or there, and, and some bin space on the farm here locally. The board's been getting beat up over the last couple of months. So maybe they're holding those hostage. Uh, I don't know. But um, that is, I think, interesting when you see the cash inverses we have, uh, that we're still going to be carrying uh, that much corn into new crop.
0: Yeah. Well, so what does that lead you to believe that either we're surprised at how much the farmer is going to carry over with a dollar fifty cash to cash inverse, or are we in for a stocks report surprise at the end of September?
1: I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that stocks report get get adjusted lower when we get there. That's that's my my two cents on it, I guess. Well, we did have the surprising
0: one at the end of June that was pretty bullish. Uh, probably implies that last year's crop size was a little bit smaller, and they did bump feed and residual demand in the July report. Um, so yeah, certainly possible. I mean, that's when we get get some of those surprises. But you're right on. I mean, there's no commercial elevator system that's going to be carrying any, any sort of length into uh, new crops. So if there is 1.457 billion bushels of corn in this country, It's probably in the farmer's hands, uh, not the commercial. Good. yeah and and I don't I
1: don't get the sense that the ethanol plants are just chuck full right now either you know it's it's uh, they're they're calling looking for for two week shipment windows, you know how fast can you get it here kind of stuff, and when we do deliver on it there's there's no lines we're in and out, you know we're executing on sales at a, the fastest pace we've ever been able to um so I don't get the impression that the ethanol plants are just chucked full of corn at this moment uh where we're we gonna be carrying some into uh in the new crop
0: sure uh yield. Down two point four today nationally at one seventy five one. Maybe feels a little foolish to talk about the the national yield. Maybe let's just talk Ohio. Uh, they had you at one hundred and ninety one bushels an acre on corn. One eighty seven yeah. here goes where you finished. Are you buying that?
1: Yeah, so one ninety one would be like probably the second best. I think. I think we hit one ninety three and twenty twenty one maybe or something like that. I'd Have to go back and see, but yeah, you know one ninety one. Um, it's potentially here. For sure. Um, like I said, these these cornfields got planted earlier than normal, uh, which typically bodes well. We have a really good stand. You know, that's the one thing about having maybe a drier spring. We don't have, our problem is typically we have too much moisture and you end up with a lot of drowned out spots as we call them, you know, holes in the field here or there. And with this drier spring, we just don't have that. So virtually all the plants that got planted came up and a lot of these stocks through two years uh, that we've noticed. And so that's encouraging. Um, just need a little bit more moisture here at the end to, to finish things out. And I think we could achieve that for sure.
0: Okay, good to know. Do you have a feel for Indiana, your neighbors to the West? Uh, they're a player in the overall corn picture to some extent, not certainly not to the degree of uh, Illinois or Iowa, but uh, 195 is where the USDA had Indiana today, 190 a year ago.
1: Yeah, and so I uh, I've talked with a couple of merchandiser friends I have in Indiana here this week, and uh, you know in their local areas, if the state stuff looks really good, um, you know, but when you're talking about averages for the whole state that are that that big, it's it's a little. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know, it's, it's sometimes tough to say that that's going to happen, but they feel pretty good about it where they're at. So I, I wouldn't put it past them to uh, to achieve that here this year. Like I said, especially if we get you know another big system of rain to move, move across both states, that'll finish that crop off real nice, I would think.
0: Okay, very good. Let's switch it over to the to the soybean side of things. USDA's numbers out today, similar story in the soybeans. We saw imports bump. 5 million bushels on old crop beans up to 30 million. Uh, That was the only adjustment to old crop. So that takes that old crop carry out up to 260 million bushels. Uh, New crop side of things, they cut yield 1.1 bushels per acre. That's at 50.9 today. Uh, So that's going to reduce the production by 95 million bushels. They bumped imports for new crop up 10 million bushels. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, from 20 to 30. So overall supplies are down 79. Uh, we did see uh, exports get cut by 25 million bushels, down to 1825. Those those were it for overall adjustment. So total usage down 25, with the uh, supply changes with the lower yield. It all comes out to a 55 million bushel cut to the ending stocks number from 300 down to 245, stocks to use at 5.77%. So pretty snug despite that, Chad. We saw the bean market finish lower today. Everything was pretty defensive. As we look at the global revisions, really nothing to write home about. Uh, We're dealing with those large South American supplies, no adjustments there to their old crop situation and really nothing notable on the new crop. Maybe the one thing to discuss on the global balance sheets was Chinese soybean imports for old crop bumped 1 million tons to 100. Uh, so we're kind of recovering from the COVID years of uh, reduced imports from China. They've got them forecasted at 99 million tons for this new crop marketing year. So uh, Chad, thoughts on the bean market?
1: Well, not uh, not too surprising to see that export number get cut again. And, and that's something we've noticed here, uh, here in the East. Um, you know, we, we were talking earlier, you know, a lot of our grain goes to the east coast from here. Uh, there is some parts of the state where they'll they'll hit the river in, in Ohio, the Ohio River, load barges there and send them down to Mississippi. But for the most part, when you're talking rail loaders here in Ohio, that grain is going to go to the southeast. It's going to go to the shore and be transloaded on the boats over there. And so we really rely on a pretty big export program to move a lot of our fall beans uh, out of space. and. Tell you what, trying to sell, sell a bean train today is, is a real chore. Um, values aren't good and there aren't many to be had. So um, there's just not a whole lot of export demand off that East Coast here today anyway, by the way it looks. And, and also too, we do load some boats out of Lake Erie um, up in Toledo. The Andersons up there load some boats, ADM too. And They'll ship those beans out of Lake Erie out the St. Lawrence Seaway and onto their destinations from there. And typically, they buy a lot of truck beans from our area to to get that accomplished. And again, basis is weak up there right now. And they tell us there's not much of a program going. So uh, for us here in the east, you know, we're really feeling that that cut in export number here today. We're just not tributary the Mississippi River like like some others are. So when, when exports get cut, typically it's on the wings first, I think, and then the golf later. Um, but uh, so we're we're definitely feeling that. So big wheat crop, what looks to be a good corn crop. I guess I haven't asked you about
0: what you think the size of the bean crop is, but. It's good those... to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like we're going to have a space problem out east, Chad.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely feel that coming uh, for sure. And and the other wrinkle to all of this, you know, as we move away from these report numbers and just talk about uh, merchandising logistics here in the east, uh, the other wrinkle to all of this is we have historically low uh, new crop farmer sales on the books today. Uh, so it's given the elevators very little incentive to go out and sell new crop trains uh, early like we typically do. So because of that, I have the fewest amount of new crop trains on the books for this time of year that I normally would. So it's going to be a real challenge for merchandisers to to sell as many trains as we need to to get through harvest because we're all virtu- we're all virtually short space at harvest time. We have to sell something, um, and with with the lower exports, I think you know, executing on beans, it's going to be a challenge. We would much rather sell the beans and hold the corn, but given what we can execute on, we might have to sell some more corn trains just because that's where the freight is. You know, it's not what the market's telling us to do. It's just what can we move out the door quick enough to, to maintain space. Sure.
0: As you look at, so, you, you know, a big home for you guys, you mentioned is the Southeast feed market in the U S um, just maybe tell us a little bit about the mentality of the end user down there. Have they been actively extending coverage here with, you know, December corn below $5? Is that an attractive spot for them to be, you know, extending coverage for, you know, October, November, December usage?
1: Yeah. So with, uh, since wheat harvest happened, uh, here in the last two, three weeks, um, we've seen that Southeast, uh, feeder start going, um, to well they started weakening their bid and now they're not showing any bid at all at the moment um they had a really big wheat crop down in the southeast as well uh we've had a big wheat crop here there has been some wheat that moved into the feed markets as well uh when that corn wheat spread got kind of kind of out of whack in late may early june um so they they are feeding some wheat currently and uh And the crop in the Southeast looks really good too. And they're coming up on harvest. So I think they're just being really cautious. They know there's a lot of production out there. There's going to be a lot of bushels out there. um, And they know that we need to sell so much of it to get through harvest. And so they don't want to be out front overpaying for anything that they have to right now. So they're kind of sitting back waiting on harvest to happen, knowing that a certain percentage of this crop is going to come to them just because it has to. You know, and so they're not they're not being real aggressive buying uh, corn today, but they have a lot of coverage to go. I mean, we we haven't sold a lot of trains, so there's a lot of you know need out there to be covered. But um, just with the way things look today, they're not feeling too uh, too pressured to go out and get covered today.
0: Okay, okay. Well, really, really good insight there as we think about and you know for the producers that are listening to this, you know, hopefully Chad did a really good job of there of maybe Pete peeling back the curtain a little bit on you know just the merchandising side and I think the challenge of kind of piecing the puzzle together as you think about how to manage that elevator and and uh, make it fluid so that there continues to be a hole there for producers to dump into and and uh, continue to turn trucks so yeah the elevators uh, got to make it work somehow and uh, be able to make a margin so that you're not doing everything at a loss either so uh, interesting challenge good to see uh, larger crops probably coming for, I think even in the Western Corn Belt here, at least compared to a year ago, Nebraska is certainly going to have a better crop than last year. Although disappointing in some spots, generally speaking, it it will be up versus a year ago. So uh, more volume to deal with, but without really stellar demand that can create maybe some new challenges that we've probably not had to deal with for several years. Yeah, I'd say
1: that's right. Yeah, I'd say that's right. We, uh, I mean, the way I look at it, you know, if, if we have to sell that corn at fall because we need to maintain that space, we're, we're going to be giving up that carry that's building into the market currently. Um, that's opportunity cost for us. So we need to make that margin, which probably means a weaker basis, you know, uh, a weaker fall basis. And if the farmer's still not selling it at fall time or as we approach fall, we uh, with board carrier that's in the market and, and the size of the crop we're talking about, I, I envision storage rates will be, you know, probably more expensive than a year ago as well. Um, and, you know, those are fun things to talk about, right. For farmers week basis and, and expensive storage rates. But um, just like you say, you know, we get judged on how we handle harvest and, and every farmer wants us to be open, you know, all day long, every day, all through harvest. And if, and if we're going to do that, then that means we have to be buying this grain the right way, so we can ship it out faster maybe than what we want to, um, but still maintain a certain level of margin. So.
0: Very good. Maybe uh, more of a risk management hat here, taking the merchandiser hat off. Kind of in a tough spot, I think. You mentioned the producers are undersold on soybeans. You mentioned specifically earlier, um, maybe both crops, you can start with corn, but kind of near the lows as we look at the chart. But if you're a producer that's pretty undersold on the grain marketing side of things, any uh, near term advice you might provide
1: yeah I think I think the guys that have on farm storage have an opportunity here to do really well this year uh, just like I'm talking about our own space situations I, th- I think the market is going to really value space this year. Uh, we're going to see a weak fall basis at least in my general area anyway uh, a weaker than the normal fall basis we're going to see a little board carry which we haven't had in a while. Um, and so I think the market's going to incentivize space this year. So if if you're a farmer that has on-farm storage, yes, I know futures are pretty low, um, but know that you're going to see some carry and some basis appreciation happen between, you know, fall and JFM or April, May, JJ that, you know, that should come around and help you, uh, help you out if you're hedged and and can roll those short hedges through that carry. So, um, but for the guys that, you know, aren't, you know, aren't as fortunate to have on-farm storage this year, um, you, you hate to say, it, just sell it and move on. <laughs> but I, I think I think a lot of our guys are going to be happy with what they're seeing on the yield monitor, and because the yields are going to be greater, we might be able to lower our sights a little bit on what we think we need for a price. Um, that said, too, call options uh, should be a little more affordable uh, this year, especially for near lows. Maybe maybe you got to weigh that out. You know, what is the cost of me keeping that grain unpriced on a storage contract at the elevator? Versus can I sell it and buy a call option and still participate in the market later and, and do that at a, at a better value than paying, you know, storage charges. So I, I see that as something that we're going to be running the, running the math on a lot here this fall with producers. You know, what's your storage rate? And then what is that? How does that compare versus just selling it and buying a March call or, or even a May call um, and, and bringing that back down to so many cents per month?
0: Yeah, I really like that thought process, Chad. Kind of a minimum price scenario. Uh, CBA listeners, that's something that we offer as well. But you uh yeah, just looking at a five ten May call today, sell your cash corn, invest thirty five cent in an at the money call, you know, that's gonna be four or five, five cents of storage. Month. Yeah, five yeah. cents
1: a month or so, roughly. Yep.
0: Yeah. So yep. you're you're talking six, seven months of storage there and just uh, invest it in a call rather than invest it in storage and, and uh, keep your price at least expose not penny for penny, but at least you have some exposure if the market wants to rally.
1: Yep. And then that way to your downsides protected, just in case this thing does want to continue to trade lower, there's nothing worse than, than paying an expensive storage rate to watch the price continue to erode. So um, that's the way to kind of avoid getting kicked while you're down. <laughs> if yeah, you, good, If you at good. least put a floor under it that way.
0: Absolutely. Great, uh, great risk management tool and a, certainly a solution to look at as we get into a very different harvest than last year. Anything,
1: uh, different that you would share on the soybeans? Uh, you know, pretty similar situation, but we don't have the board carry in beans like we do in corn. Um, I do think we'll see some basis appreciation happen shortly after harvest, you know, typically in our area, uh, December, January, and maybe sometimes into February is a, is a good time for to lock in basis. Uh, but that's assuming we have a good export program. Uh, this year we don't. So um, that might mean a little bit different basis environment. Um, over here, but something I guess to keep an eye out for on that. Um, but with beans too, you know, um, the same kind of minimum price uh, strategy I think would work well. Um, also, we, we do a fair number of OTC contracts with, with folks, and I know bean options are just more expensive inherently than corn options. So um, sometimes we do a little bit more with uh, with bean OTC contracts than, than we do with corn, um, just as sometimes that option premium is baked into the, the prices on the OTC contract, depending on what that is. It, we do a, what we call a flex floor contract um, or, a, or an accumulator type contract as well, uh, if guys want to do that. But um, again, those are just mechanisms to to lock in at least a floor on your price, but still be exposed to the upside if uh, we were to see a post-harvest rally.
0: Very good. Well, Chad, I appreciate the color on uh, what's going on in the eastern Corn Belt and specifically northwest Ohio. Uh, Certainly helps our listeners uh, think a little more broadly. Uh, We're all guilty of a little bit of backyarditis as we uh, bring this crop to the finish line. So thank you for your time and thank you for the color.
1: For sure. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.
0: That's Chad Rosebrook, Senior Vice President at Legacy Farmers Cooperative in Northwest Ohio. That's going to do it for episode number 45. We will be back uh, in one month as we take a look at the first objective-based yield estimate from the USDA. Until then, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA Grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com grain or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next month, and until then, stay safe.